This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 132 from the Subway to Shea studios in my office. Shout out to Andrew Tredenick. Andrew, the Mets beat reporter for NorthJersey.com and the record sports. He came up in the clutch for me last episode when the uh, whole Kodai Sanga news broke and uh, joined me in such a pinch. Uh, I can't thank him enough for that. Make sure you're following him on Twitter and at Andrew underscore tread for all the latest Mets news. Now on to this episode and we finally have New York Mets baseball games, everyone. Uh, and here talk about all of that early standout, early highlights in the first week of the games is Carson from Mets weekly. He co-hosts Mets weekly alongside Frank Cagino and the Rhino Andrew Acevedo. Carson, welcome to the subway to shape podcast. How are you doing my friend? I'm doing good. I'm happy to have baseball back. I really am. Uh, even though we've had some ups and downs already so far. It's just kind of how the Mets are, but uh, it's good to have it back. I know I've been on Mets Weekly a few times, but this is a first for you to be on my show, so I really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, I had to uh, make sure that I, I wasn't too Hollywood for the show. I had to let you know. Um <laughs> Because I think every single time that we tried to set something up on here, yes, I think we've overlapped with some other stuff and, you know, it happened like that. But, eh. We're here. I'm glad. I think it's a you know it's a long time coming that I had to you know return the favor. You've been on I don't know a good four or five of Mets Weekly features. Yeah, and uh, we've done a, co- a couple of big live streams. That big trade deadline yeah. one that we did last year that was a lot of fun. I hope we get to do that again. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been great uh, connecting with you and the whole team. And obviously Andrew's going to get on this show. Frank, I'm going to get him on as well at some point uh, during mm. the season. A lot of content to come at you with, and you guys got a lot of great content. Content, and now you're doing the 30, uh, 30 projections in 30 days. So I'll let you promote that as well during the show. Uh, so make sure everyone checks out uh, Mets Weekly on YouTube. Uh, also, uh, this is the first guest that I've had on who I only have a first name for. So it's, it's mm. like your prince right now. Mm, yeah, I don't think my last name has ever been public online and i think i just i just keep that like for the that better for some reason it for just the better when like you're that. on twitter and x that's for sure yeah uh i think i've had my nick like my, my middle name out there a few times but nothing my last names just never really come up no one's ever really asked no one's really pulled it out of me um but yeah i mean i'm okay being in the likes of prince and share and you know like th- that type of uh, you know that tier because you know th- those are some legends, legends there. So we're 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 good being in that tier. All right, let's get into uh, today's show. And uh, last week, uh, when I came on the air with Andrew uh, Tredenick of NorthJersey.com, we talked about Kodai Singh and his injury. And since then, there's there's been an update. Uh, he's obviously we know he's dealing with a, a moderate posterior capsule strain, and he received a PRP injection. For people who don't know what that is, a platelet-rich plasma injection. So he won't be throwing for three weeks. And uh, in those three weeks, he'll only be reevaluated. So we don't even know if it's going to take 
take longer. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, and hopefully he's back by, I say, mid-May, er, uh, earliest early June. So hopefully that works out. Manager uh, Carlos Mendoza hopes the shot accelerates the healing process, as do we all. And who will take a spot, right? Yeah, the options that are out there, Tyler McGill, Jose Budo, Joey Lucchese, Max Krennic I had on here, and I had to update his uh, status because... Mm. He is now out for the beginning of the season with a left hamstring strain. Uh, unfortunate for him because he had a pretty good debut. Uh, we go along with uh, Tyler McGill, started the opener of all of spring training against the Cardinals. He was okay, pitching very well tonight. Um, and uh, Jose Budo, he had a good start in the second game. Uh, two innings pitched, three hits, uh, no earned runs. We're going to get into him because I want to talk about a, a possible role for him that's not as a starting pitcher, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And Joey Lucchese has not pitched in a game yet. It's early. Carson, but uh, who has impressed you so far uh, out of these pitchers? Oh, I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I got the the closest look to McGill and Budo. Obviously, Kranich was uh, untelevised. I mean, we got a little bit from him, mm-hmm. but so you know, it's kind of hard to evaluate that. You know, it'd be nice if the MLB can like give us, you know, the streams of all these games uh but yeah. you know who cares about promoting your game at this point to be honest um in terms of the starters i would go i mean i i always have the soft spot for tyler mcgill but i think that all of them have looked uh pretty good i mean i talked about mcgill and budo's uh debuts on my show that premiered yesterday and it looks like both of them have added some stuff to their repertoire which is actually pretty cool obviously we had um you know mcgill add that uh, splitter or American spork or whatever we're calling it. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. really paying attention to that. I'm more of the guy who evaluates the top uh, the top two slots of fastball slider, of how, how those kind of complement each other. So those looked a little bit better for McGill. Looks like he's got that harder slider now. Um, Budo, I think um, it's kind of odd with him because I think that he looked really good in terms of results. I think that he uh, was able to attack the zone a little bit better than he was able to to um compared to last year looks like he's got a little bit more spin on his stuff but it's 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 i don't know there's been a few there was a few mislocations from him but obviously i'm just nitpicking there but overall i'd say from pitching performances as a whole not even just starting pitching overall the pitching has looked fairly good and it's been leading us to some uh grapefruit league wins which has been very important um because we we need to uh get our grapefruit league ring so that's that's very important for the mets uh, you know i i think i think to a certain extent wins in spring training are somewhat important to you know the morale and the mental awareness of this team. I mean, we've gotten spring trainings where we've most of our spring trainings, the team has been like under 500 and not have a good record. Yeah, and true. and we we haven't made the playoffs in most of them. So to have a team get off to a start, and who knows, they could probably stink it up the rest of spring training. But you got to be encouraged, like you said, by the pitching and what we've seen from the pitching. Now I, I know you are a huge fan of Tyler McGill. Outside of fandom, let's talk about stuff how do you rank these pitchers with stuff and and where are you having them set as uh 
getting into this rotation? I mean, I would say that Tyler McGill, it's really hard to evaluate him because his stuff is different every single time that he pitches. So uh, and that's the problem with him with the just just overall consistency. And that's kind of just been his thing throughout his entire career. I'd say that overall, he does have the best stuff. Budo is is more of a, kind of the innings eater. He's going to get you outs. And sometimes if he if he misses the intended spot, then he'll get roughed up. But, you know, you, you're, you're there to get, in my opinion, the rubber arm of this of all these options and then uh Kranich obviously go, goes down and uh stuff like that so so kind of going with um Budo and McGill I'd say that personally I think that they're gonna go with a six-man rotation so like, I agree that's, that's what my that's what I think they're gonna do and I think that they need to do that to kind of get more quantity in this uh rotation especially with Kodai Senga because you're not gonna get Kodai Senga innings from one one uh from one pitcher you're gonna have to get it from the quantity whether it's two or maybe even three pitchers. And I think that when you look at this Mets rotation, I hope that every since in the time that Senga is not active, because he's going to be out for a decent amount. Yeah. I want to see them, I want to see about eight different guys make a start for us. I want to see them rotate in a rotate, like rotate a rotation more than an actual rotation does. And that's what I want to see. Like, I want to see starts from Budo. I want to see Lucchese. I want to see McGill. Like, I, I want to see them really embrace the quantity that they have because that's the only way you're going to make up for the innings that you're going to miss with Kodai Senga. And I think that that's the best way that you can do it. I don't want to see, oh, well, the next man up of Kodai Senga, he's out. Well, we've got Tyler McGill to replace him. And he's going to, and he is going to throw 160 innings like Senga did last year. That's not going to happen. So they need to do it with multiple options that they have they need to flex that sort of depth also I agree that with uh Peterson out with uh Sanga out with now Kranich out who was obviously one possibility they do need to add somebody and whether it is that guy they just signed on a minor league deal I hope it's not I I mean like I'm hoping for them to add somebody uh whether it is on a one-year deal of some free agent out there even though Stearns has not really made it public that they're going to go externally yet I I would like to see them add some one with I don't yeah. know some experience some upside something like that because like yeah the bottom half of the rotation is the bottom half of the rotation you take what you can get but I'd like to see just like one arm in there that like has some solidified success you know whether it is uh you know uh whether it is somebody like uh Michael Lorenzen who we were talking about earlier off stream or someone uh I mean Clevenger's got a lot of baggage to him but like there's a few uh guys who can come on in here on a one-year deal and probably would take it at this current moment where the market is, where you have some of the top free agents still available. So it's just a very odd free agent market uh, in general. So, I mean, I'm hoping, to be honest, that they go externally to try and just add like one more solidified pitcher. But at this current moment, if they're happy with what they have right now, at this current moment with those three pitchers out, I'm okay with it. But like, we know that there's some injury concern with some other guys in this rotation. I'm looking at Luis Severino, all Mm -hmm. of them. I mean, looking at Luis Severino, Hauser was not healthy last year. Manaya is odd. Like sometimes he's healthy, sometimes he's not throughout his career. So I, I'm, I'm, I think that you know there's, there's going to be, it's going to be a stretch, I would say. And and we've seen some, some uh, reports about you know some executive. I don't know if this was Martino or this was somebody else, but they said you know some think that you know the Mets are a few pitchers short. And you know I, I think that there's also some Mets fans who are countering that and saying, oh well, we can just bring up Vassal, we could just bring up Scott, and we should. I said this on my 
my show uh, yesterday or when I recorded it or like three days ago, I said that I don't want pitching prospects coming up here, the pitching prospects that we have coming up here to replace an injured player as a panic move. I want to see them come up because they are ready. And that's what I think is really established with David Stearns giving the rope to the young players because he wants to see them succeed and not just panic and throw them out there into the fire. Yeah, and I, and I also think it's good not to overplay your hand with the way Stearns is handled, you know, outside, you know, pitching options. Like, uh, look at what has happened already. If you go across town and all the talk about Blake Snell and are the Yankees going to get them? Are they not going to get them? The Mets have said they are not going externally. We don't know if they actually are or not. Uh, They've been keeping every investment that they made, every signing that they've made pretty much close to the vest since, you know, Steve Cohen has come into owning this this team. And uh, I, I hope that they continue to keep it that way. And if we sign a Jordan Montgomery, awesome. If it's a Michael Lorenzen or, you know, Andy Martino mentioned the Julio Tehran. It's interesting enough that those those names were mentioned and then Max Krennic goes down. So I wonder if those were moves that were thought about because they knew Krennic was was going down. And let's not make it as if Krennic was going to make the team. Um, yeah. It's just another option. And like you said, we need arms on this roster. We need depth in the roster. And uh, I agree. I, I think a six-man rotation is the right way to go. I think that helps boost, you know, some of these pitchers who are fringe. Maybe they pitch mm-hmm. well in spring training, but would it normally get an opportunity that now they're, you know, solidified in the rotation as that sixth man. I think something like that could work. And we all know, uh, even with as healthy as Kodai Senga was last season, that he didn't really ramp up to pitching close to five days a week uh, or every fifth day until, what, mid-August? And that's when he kind of, like, tuned it up. So now you you can probably scratch that for this season. I think it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to protect his arm and and have – him pitch every six day no matter what so if they can figure out a way to make this six-man rotation i feel like tyler mcgill is a definite lock uh for the rotation at the end he has the most experience um and he really kind of turned a little bit of a corner in that late august early september run that he had so i'm interesting to see what he can bring to the table we've heard raved reviews about his new american sport pitch we'll see if he can continue that he's pitched well so far in this game today and against the astros and that's coming out of the bullpen so he not only can he start for you he could be that trevor williams type pitcher where he can come at in any any instance whether it's starting a game whether it's coming in out of the bullpen and needing a couple of innings he can be that guy um but i see him out of the gate as that fifth starter or wherever you want to place him in the rotation, whether it's four or five or however you see him fit. But also when you talk about that Trevor Williams role, I'm thinking about Jose Buto, uh, another guy who had a great late August early September and was a pretty consistent pitcher alongside Jose Quintana, where they would give up maybe one, two, three runs. They weren't getting run support to get wins, but they were Mm. pitching well enough to, to, you know, be in the rotation and also be a part of the bullpen. So, you know, do you think that Jose Budo could play that role or would you prefer him in the rotation? I think he definitely could play that role, but I also like to look at the sixth starter in the six man rotation as 
as also a long reliever as well. Uh, and, and that's something that I think that they might try and maybe enforce with Joey Lucchese, someone who does have more starting experience than somebody like Jose Budo. But I think that, you know, with uh, Budo, you just really just look for innings with him and you just look for distance. He's you know, he's just known as that rubber arm. Like, that's what I think that uh, he, out of everybody, like, the sixth spot to long relief, like, that is, like, the perfect spot for him where maybe he, at on some days, he doesn't have a good enough stuff to be a, slide, a, a starter. Maybe at some points, he doesn't have good enough stuff to be a reliever. But he's kind of just, like, in the middle where, you know, maybe he can make you a spot start. May, basically, he could be Trevor Williams. And I think that that is where you kind of get the best value from Budo and um, you know overall if again I I think that his stuff looked a lot better than it was compared to last year Um, but again we need to just like I don't know it's it's kind of hard because I'd love to see them maybe you know plug somebody into the rotation that could start and plug somebody into the bullpen that could start you know I think that that, that that's like something that they could do where maybe Budo McGill and Lucchese are all on the roster at the same time like you have a six-man bullpen and then you have that one guy who can flip-flop in and in and out then you have another guy in the rotation who can flip-flop it in and out so I think like there's a way that they can manage this pitching staff because again like I said with the six-man rotation it's something that they just need to do especially with the concerns not to mention with uh not to mention with what the um the, the whole situation obviously with Kodai Senga and you know he's going to be pitching every sixth day when they bring him back obviously but it's just so per- uh, it's so perfect to just put in a six-man rotation especially with other guys in this rotation we, we talk about this all the time on our show Luis Severino injury history at the wazoo give him you know an extra day of rest Shamanaya kind of adjusting to that whole uh, rotation out of the bullpen thing from last year, mm-hmm. him getting an extra day of rest. Adrian Hauser was banged up last year. So you look at it and you give him the extra day of rest and you can get more innings out of your starting pitchers from uh, an extra day of rest and they could pitch at max effort as compared to kind of saving the velocity a little bit and kind of distributing it out because they have that extra day of rest. And I think that that's something that's really important with it and um, I think that that's the thing that they kind of need to enforce with that six starter where whether it is Buddha or whether it is uh, uh, Lucchese or something they need to basically find the innings without kind of scheduling the innings if they can get innings out of the bullpen or if they need you know maybe a, a, a pitcher needs an extra day of rest Budo Lucchese those are your starters that come in in a spot in long relief if somebody gets blown up something like that but I think that overall if you're looking at it as Jose Budo who's known to when he's right use his command of the zone as like uh, Trevor Williams does he can get you outs he can eat you innings in a decent margin shall we say like that that's the rubber arm like I don't see Jose Budo having this concern of oh is this guy gonna get me is this guy gonna give me uh, a decent amount of innings this year like if you put Jose Budo in that position he's gonna give you innings like that yep. like that's that's how I kind of look at it it's like he's he's just a rubber arm now now hopefully he doesn't get injured after I say that but I think that- <laughs> 
right now when you look at it i think that his role uh is just it's it's flip-flop i think that wherever you think comfort level is with him you can put him in any situation and he is going to give you quality from that situation because he's got that rubber arm that can give you in it yeah and um you know thinking about it there's so many ifs with the rotation and the best way to oh. balance that out is kind of the way you said you know six man rotation getting these guys the extra day of rest which can help them out and maybe kind of you know get the worries out of if this rotation can get us through a full season now you mentioned the, the Mets signing another pitcher and I brought it up on my phone uh, Anthony DiComo said that the Mets had signed right-hander John Duplantier to a minor league deal um especially adding him now that Max Krennic is is out so he'll add another level to the depth of this team. Uh, another Met made their debut, uh, Adrian Hauser. Quite impressive. Two innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout. Uh, most of his outs were via the ground ball, which, you know, Jose Iglesias vacuumed up, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking about him later on in the show. Uh, I think this Hauser trade, alongside Tyrone Taylor, will go down as a, a very underrated move by season's end. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, it's a solid value move. I think that, you know, you got a decent piece in outfield depth in Tyrone Taylor, who, as flawed as he can be, provides you a good amount of tools. And then you have Adrian Hauser, who can give you a lot of quality and quantity at the same time where he can eat innings when he's fully healthy, obviously. But also the fact that we all know that he's right when he's getting ground balls. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He needs to get those ground balls. We saw ground balls uh, this week. Perfect. If you're getting, if he's keeping it on the ground, that's exactly what his job is. That's exactly what he does all the time. And that's your back end piece of, of consistency. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy from what I saw from him. And uh, it's, it's good to see uh, value come out of Eduardo Escobar in my opinion, uh, from what we saw from him last year, uh, trading him for Coleman Crow and Landon Marchessault and Coleman Crow going to the Brewers for Hauser and Taylor. So that's a uh, pretty good value ship off after what we saw with Eduardo Escobar, which was not great last year. So I think that it's definitely a, uh, you know, a, a step up in value uh, to the team and made the roster better. Um, and I think that both of them will be decent contributors uh, for this roster. I like both of them in terms of the role that they have and uh, I'm, I'm going forward with it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like both are going to be great values at the role they were specifically brought in here for Adrian Hauser, that fifth starter, fourth fifth guy, Tyrone Taylor, that you know, fourth outfielder who will come in, defensive replacement. We saw him in the outfield just, just snagging fly balls in the games that he's been playing so far and the Mets have preached this offseason. Uh, David Stearns has preached this offseason about run prevention and defense and with these guys that they've brought in that it, it's going to help a, a whole lot so uh, I do like this trade and I do see it being a, a huge positive as we get through the 2024 season let's move to the bullpen uh, we've seen some solid bullpen performances so far to start this spring I know it's only the first week but it's in it's encouraging because there are a couple of spots available in the bullpen and you know we even saw uh, the Mets win a game that was a bullpen game that was started by by Reed Garrett, and, and they all pitched very well out of the gate here. The most impressive for me so far has been Nate Lavender. Two innings pitched, uh, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts. I don't know about you, but his delivery kind of reminds me a little bit of Billy Wagner uh, when you see him uh, deliver that pitch. I don't think he will make the bullpen right out the gate because 
because you got Brooks Raley and you got Jake Diekman on the roster, both left-handed, and I think they're going to go with the two veterans to start the season. Um, I've always wanted to have multiple you know, pitchers uh, that are lefties in the bullpen. I just don't think that they are going to carry three of them. Uh, who is impressing you out the gate out of this bullpen? I mean, I, I would definitely go with Lavender. Lavender was my stud of the week on my podcast nice. uh, for us. We got that. Um, and, and I've talked about it before. I was like, I never really understood why people like this Lavender guy all the time. Everybody's talking about him throughout the entire offseason. I'm like, okay. And last year, too. we got something here. Okay. Yeah, last year, people people were talking about him, uh, you know, like like kind of one of these fringe pieces that's like, oh, maybe he makes the team. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he makes an impression in the upper levels of the minor leagues. And I'm like, okay, there's some, there's something there's something here. Like, yeah, the fastball's not as, as explosive, but when you've got, you know, some extra uh, extension or an extra kind of uh, arm slot, you can get away with it as a left-handed pitcher. And I think that that's something that he's dis- displayed so far and uh, kind of just someone who pounds the strike zone. And, and I like it like that about him. I mean, I, I think you, you need a decent amount of control as a lefty from the angle that he throws in. And he does have it. Um, obviously, so far, I mean, I've liked Grant Hartwig. Um, I've You're a big Grant Hartwig fan. We know that. Yeah, I love Grant Hartwig. Uh, again, he's just another one, just like, you know, H- Hauser or something. He's got to keep it on the ground and he's going to su- succeed. And, uh, you know, great uh, sinker baller, cutter guy. So I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, I can't really remember who else we've had pitch because we haven't seen Diaz yet. We have not seen Rayleigh yet. We have not seen uh, Adovino. I don't he's think either. coming back from Adovino. I'm glad that we have Drew him, Smith. To be honest. I, I don't need to see Drew him. Drew Smith hasn't pitched yet We either. have not seen Drew Smith. Oh, well. Um... <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, overall, I think, you know, there's we've seen some guys that are competing for uh, spots so far. And I think that, you know, it, it's it's been encouraging. Josh Walker was good the first uh, or bad the first outing and then was a little bit better. I think he pitched yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's it's been solid from what I've seen. But I'd say that Lavender and Hartwig are probably at the top of these guys are been pretty impressive so far. But again, still early. Who knows what happens? Well, let's look at the bullpen outlook here. And these are the what I have as locks right now. Mm-hmm. Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raley, Adam Adovino, Jorge Lopez, Drew Smith, and Jake Diekman with the latter two. Not, I'm not so 100% on it. I don't know if I'm 100% on Jorge Lopez either, but on the bubble here, Phil Bickford, Shintaro Fujinami, Michael Tonkin, Sean Reed Foley, like you mentioned, Grant Hardwig and Josh Walker. Reed Garrett is there. Johan Ramirez, Austin Adams, Yaxel Rios, who's another guy that we saw that was very interesting, yeah. and Nate Lavin. Uh, out of these guys, how do you round out this bullpen? Oh, uh, Yaxel Rios is another one. There we go. There's a reminder. Um, I, uh, Looks like he's gained a little bit back of his velocity that he lost. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Uh, so, you know, he was pumping 97, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I obviously look for my explosiveness with a lot of relievers. So that's what I need. I need the strikeouts. I need the high leverage type of stuff, whether it is from the top of the bullpen or the back end. Like I said, Lavender. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, on the bubble. I mean, I think Shintaro Fujinami will probably be in the opening day bullpen. No also, he has an option. He to- does have an option know. Um, so that he, he may be one of the guys that gets sent down maybe just- if he does struggle I mean he could he could start off in AAA there's a possibility we've seen him struggle last year which was brutal um let's see uh I think that I don't I don't know how to how to feel about it because again it's just like you know yeah you're getting you're getting one inning from these guys but Okay, let me let me bring um, it back up too with all the names. Yeah, I, there you go. Yeah. Oh, I mean Sean Reed Foley. I like Sean Reed Foley a lot. He's he's one of the guys I'm high on. 
Uh, and he falls into that. Him. He, he falls into that, yeah. you know, mid-tier reliever that can give you innings, that Trevor Williams mm. type guy. So that's that's another one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you can get, yeah, Tonkin as well. Like you can get some multiple innings from these guys. For, for Sean Reeve fully, I would say off of Tommy John surgery, he's probably more of a one year, uh, one inning guy now. Um, but I'd say that you know Phil Bickford, I'm not the biggest fan of. You know, Michael Tonkin's fine. He's he's all right. Um, you know, some of these guys are like. At best, so average. Some of them have a little bit upside, like you know, Yaxel Rios. Lots of upside with the, with the stuff that he has. Uh, Sean Reed Foley, I'm I'm big on. Um, so so there's some some pieces that are like on that bubble there, but you know, so far I'd say that, that we're building a decent depth chart so far from the mind yep. of. David Stearns. I have not been uh, completely disappointed with anybody um, so far in terms of bullpen arms. I know that Jorge Lopez struggled a little bit, but you know, hopefully we can get a little bit more full force from him. Looked like the velo was down a little bit. He also faced a guy that you know took him deep in the past, like who he had did. his number, yeah. but he he, he um, was getting a little bit hit hard in that uh, one. He was, uh, and and listen, I, I think that overall, I think that was kind of more of what you saw last year with him. When where there was just a lot of instances where a curveball that didn't curve or a sinker that didn't sink. Like, that's kind of how you looked at it with uh, Jorge Lopez, who has that stuff, but sometimes there's just uncompetitive pitches that get smacked over the wall, and hopefully that they can like kind of you know vary into kind of getting a better pitch sequence with him and you know make a few of those adjustments and that's just how relievers are I mean we we, we know that but overall the the consistency from bullpen candidates so far has been impressive I really am I'm 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 impressed so far but Again, it's the first week. At, at some point, you know, maybe one of them can turn me. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, 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 I'm excited with a lot of these arms that have been brought in because during this, uh, um, during this off season, there's always been a reason as to why David Stearns brought one of this, these arms in. And I've been like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get why this guy. Like, I'm, you know, you look into it deeply of some of the numbers that they have and some of the upside, of the stuff, or you know, whatever specs that you're looking at. Um, and I understand the upside that they do have. Have. And um, yeah, I mean, th there's been like a few pieces where I'm like, okay, what what is this? But full on, I mean, th these guys can be viable relievers with the upside that they have, and hopefully they could tap into that, which is David Stern's bread and butter. That's been his thing throughout his entire career as an executive. Yeah, and he's helped build the bullpens every year in Milwaukee to viable point where this team was a consistent contender uh, in the postseason. So, you know, I I'm excited to see where it goes. And obviously, we're going to get some bad outings from these guys. But what I like is that each of these guys' outings has pushed the other one to try to be better and, and, and better. And, you know, you got to, well, I'm not as concerned, but a guy like Drew Smith should be concerned concerned that his spot is not a hundred percent and if he pitches any way like he did towards the end of 2022 and the whole season of 2023 he's not a lock to stay in this bullpen I, I you know with the Dominic Leones and the Trevor Gotts of the world in this bullpen his spot was kind of safe so you know this year I don't think it's as safe as people may think it is uh same would go for Jake Diekman especially if a guy like Nate Lavender who uh Jose uh, Lopez Moya said had around 14.1 strikeouts in the minors uh, a guy has guts just pitching with 91 92 mile per hour fastballs and uh you know with his uh, distinctive delivery which 
you know, I'll continue to say reminds me of Billy Wagner. He will be in this bullpen at some point within the next few years if he's not traded. That That is a, a for certain for me. Uh, let's move to the uh, bench. And uh, once again, I'm here with Carson of Mets Weekly. Follow Carson on Twitter slash X at MWCars and at Mets Weekly, Mets Weekly Pod. So follow both of those accounts and make sure you are subscribing to them on YouTube. Let's, like I said, let's move to the position players, offense, specifically the bench. There's two standouts for me so far, Trace Thompson uh, and Jose Iglesias. Uh, Thompson, four hits. He had two home runs, six RBI so far. Iglesias has two six and six at-bats, but more for his defense and, and how he's able to just, like I said earlier, just vacuum up the ball in some great, Great defensive plays he made, especially in the Adrian Hauser start. Uh, you know, he's been a pretty solid hitter throughout his career. Veteran presence kind of could be like that mentorish type uh, player on the roster. Any chance either of these two make the opening day roster on that bench or is the, you know, the bench pretty much set from the start right now? I think Trace Thompson right now has the upper hand. I mean, I I, I really like the hitting profile of this guy. Like, I really just, I mean, power. Yeah, he's, not, yeah, he's got power. He's got some pop. He can pull the ball like that that's that's what i like like those types of hard nose power guys that see something in the zone they're going to crush it and that's something that I've really seen from Trace Thompson we've seen that type of streak hitting from him throughout his career and they've talked about it with him where they're like okay this guy's good he's got the talent but he's just not really gotten a chance and that I'm really hoping that maybe we do give him a chance especially when other guys are not uh, producing or whatever and like I said I mean I've been saying this like I don't know the past 48 hours I mean at watching uh Vientos and Beatty uh, go back and forth of uh, just complete uh, snooze fest. Mm. I'm wondering if Trace Thompson can play third base. <laughs> like at this point, it's just getting uh, a little bit tiring uh, as uh, the last AB, we got another update for Brett Beatty. He grounded out to third base. It's getting um, late early for those two. It is. It really is. And, um, you know, but as for Trace Thompson, obviously I don't want to go off uh, Beatty because I'll just go off the rails with him. <laughs> but I think... Uh, uh, Trace Thompson, uh, Trace Thompson's great hitter overall. I think that he he's got that upside to be one, um, and he's proven it so far. Uh, the the batted ball data was there. We've seen uh, some some numbers uh, from you know unqualified sample sizes that he's got some uh, some pop in his bat. Uh, makes great quality of contact. So you know if if you if he's hot, he's hot, and there's a possibility where maybe he comes up here for injuries because again this outfield there is there is injury concern with Harrison Bader, with uh, Starling Marte. Nimmo's been healthy recently, but you just never know. He's going into his 30s. So, Trace Thompson, a piece like that, uh, someone who you know, has the upside to be a good hitter. You know, I'm, I'm I'm good with that. Jose Iglesias, I've always loved him defensively. I think mm-hmm. he's one of the smoothest gloves out there, uh, and he's been for a long, long time. Uh, I loved him even more when I found out that he tried to beat up James McCann. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, if he can hit, he can hit, but again, if that is uh, is something that you know is shown throughout the minor leagues you know he's had a decent sample in the major leagues so far and i think you know if joey wendell ain't hidden he might be walking on the door locking on the knocking on the door as well for him um as I stutter like three times when I say that, but um, but I think that you know Iglesias today he is 0 for three, so so his his, his stock went down a little bit. Um, but overall as a player, he's got some decent amount of tools. He's a little bit old on the older side, so you're not going to be seeing him swiping bases. But the man's got some quick hands. 
And uh, I think that maybe it was right to like get like a somewhat Guillaume replacement like three years ago with him. Yeah. Um, but now, I mean, he's a little bit older now, but so far he's been very impressive. And uh, I mean, just just overall him defensively. Very. I mean, he's just he's a very impressive uh, piece. And they've talked about it on the broadcast. You know, Gary was talking about it. And so was uh, Ron Darling. They were talking about it. It was like, yeah, you look at Lindor and, you know, he's so routine. He's so, um, you know, fundamentally sound when he's def- uh, uh, when he's playing defense and Lindor, while he does that, is one of the best defensive players in all of baseball. But also, Jose Iglesias, the complete opposite. He's just so smooth. He's so, uh, you know, he's so uh, like, uh, like just just ballet smooth in the, in yeah. the field. Like that's him. He just he just got like the these ridiculous hands and ridiculous reaction time. And uh, you know that the two of them, you know, together out there so far. I mean, it's it's looked pretty nice. It's looked smooth. Like it just doesn't seem uh, like robotic or force or whatever with the two of them up the middle and. And that has been very impressive. And if they want a defensive replacement, such as Jose Iglesias, I think that he could do that. Um, just not playing the outfield. Like I'm sure, I think Wendell has played the outfield a little bit. I don't know if he can do that anymore. But you know, there's a few lot knocking on the door right now, and could be the first guys up uh, if there is an injury to replace a certain player. And um, I'm hoping that they replace the role that they're meant to play. I'm hoping that we don't call up, let's say, you know, knock on wood or whatever, but let's say Pete Alonso, you know, is out for a little bit. Hopefully we're not calling up Jose Iglesias to replace him. Like, like that, that's... If, yeah, that, if that pretty much ends like, the season right there. Yeah, exactly. If somebody like Vientos or somebody like uh, uh, Wendell or, you know, an infielder that's like on the fringe of the of the roster that hasn't really proven much yet, maybe you could replace that with, with Jose Iglesias, something like that. Trace Thompson, obviously, with the outfield, you just never know. I think he's the first guy up. Um, if they don't, if he doesn't make the team, I think he's the first guy up and I like him way more compared to somebody like Tim LaCastro last year. And I mm. and I know a lot of people like Tim LaCastro. He's a big meme or whatever. Everyone likes him. Uh, you know, it's fun for me. I like to win. So uh, with a guy like Trace Thompson, who like actually profiles like a, a actual major league hitter as compared to Tim LaCastro, who's just like a novelty. I like that a little bit better as Kevin Parada, one of our prospects just singled. That's good. That's encouraging. Uh, he was looking a little bit uncompetitive so far this spring. So that was good. So update from the game if for those of you who are not watching. Yeah, Kevin Parada has had a rough spring to start. He had a semi-rough uh, year last year as well. Uh, we did the bullpen outlook. Let, let's let's take a look at, at the bench there. The locks for me, Omar Narvaez, unless he gets traded, then I guess Tomas Nito mm-hmm. would be the catcher. Joey Wendell, Tyrone Taylor. And then, you know, I have DJ Stewart, Vientos, and Beatty on the bubble if they're not playing well. Uh, Trace Thompson, mm-hmm. we mentioned Jose Iglesias. You know, if if... DJ Stewart doesn't play well, or Vientos, you know, G-Man Choi or Luke Voigt could be a guy that takes that that spot. You also have Ben Gamble and uh, Rylan, Oba- uh, Rylan Bannon, also Zach Short as well. He's another uh, defensive mm-hmm infielder that can make it as well so you know how do you round out this bench you know with with you know you definitely have to have a backup catcher you have to have a backup infielder and then one at least you know outfield you know fourth outfielder who do you round it out with uh is it two outfielders with trace thompson and then another infielder is it just a four-man bench where do you go from here 
it's it's hard because like when you're looking at the six man rotation, you have like an extra guy in that rotation, so you're you're kind of like fixing it up a little bit. You might have to go with a four man bench, and I think that they are definitely fit for a four man bench because they have a lot of positional f- uh, flexibility as compared to it. So I'd say that I'd say that G Man Choi is definitely up there as a possibility, but it's hard to see Vientos up here with Choi uh, with the possibility of like DJ Stewart. You can actually be a little bit more flexible because he can play the outfield so it's it's um it's weird because i don't know how they want to configure it because like obviously you have your locks and narvaez he's going to be here he's getting paid whatever for the next for the for the rest of the year um and then i think tyrone taylor is a lock so far i mean i've he's yeah. just as what it is what he was is advertised in this uh in this trade so far um it's hard to round it's hard to round this thing out because I don't know there's a, there's different combinations they could go with uh whether they want a DH platoon to kind of insurance uh Vientos but it's hard to do that with the leading man in G-Man Choi who's been hitting so f- so well so far because he's not great against lefties like at all um but I think that I don't think that if you're going I think that if you're going to commit to Vientos you can't have him platoon like you have to just give him the at bats every single day to see mm-hmm. if you get something from him. So it's hard to put Choi and Voight into that equation of them being on the opening day roster as well as Mark Vientos. Like I think you just can only have one DH there. Like I'm I'm personally tired of the uh like I don't want to see another rough Vogelbach situation. Like no, I don't want to so, see that again. So, totally you know? agree. The the DH yeah. position I think belongs to one very good power hitter. Like it, mm-hmm. David Ortiz yeah. was the DH of the Boston Red Sox. Oh, yeah. You know, JD Martinez was the DH of the Dodgers and, and Detroit and Boston. I'm tired of the platoon dh it's not yeah. working it's just not yeah it has it has not worked and and even though you could do platoon combinations with stort and voight or uh, voight and uh g-man Choi or vientos and one it like you could do that because you have two lefties and two righties but i don't want to see two of them on the if you're going to make a commitment to one of them make a commitment to one of them. i like the hitting profiles of all four of these guys like i think that they all like at their best they could give you dh production but I don't want to see two of them on there. Two of them, just because, I don't know if it's a PTSD thing of what we saw with the DH platoon or whatever and not giving it to just one guy being the the, the DH. And that's the main reason why as to like, I think that, you know, the JD Martinez talk, like that's just gone out the window at this point. Like I think that this, like one of these four guys is going to be your DH depending on how they do in spring. I hope that that's how they address that because the DH has been just such a, like just, just a nightmare since they, yeah. they put this in for the, Mets and as compared to you know like as compared to anything that's um that's been going on with Vientos or what's been going on with G-Man Choi or or DJ Stewart or like I'm okay with the hitting profiles of all four of these guys like I'm okay with it in a pinch they could produce for you um it all really just depends on because that's kind of how it is with all four of them they're streaky it all depends on who is hot and that's how they really have to go on with it um it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle with this type of thing like it 
it's easier to just go out and sign the guy. But it's like, when you look at it right now, Vientos, he's got the upside, he's young. Then you have Voigt, who can give you a little bit of extra power when he's hot and seeing the ball well. Choi, a little bit more of a, a seasoned hitter. Um, and then and then also uh, DJ Stewart, who had the had the, the, the big stretch. Again, decent profile or whatever, but there's nothing like consistency you can go off of. Like, there's just yep. nothing there. But, you know, he could be good. Like, all of these guys could be good. Uh, you just have to see it and see who produces in that way. Um, so, so I'm okay with, like, any of them but I just don't want two of them there uh, because I want the bench to have a little bit more versatility, especially especially in terms of the outfield. I need two outfielders on that bench, in my opinion. Like, I need that uh, with the concern that you have going on with Marte's health with Bader's health. Again, like I said, even Nimmo, even though he's had health, you know, he's had health issues in uh, the past. He's going into his 30s. So you always have that precaution. And I think that that's how they kind of have to look at it, where, you know, you have two outfielders, outfielders on the bench. You have Joey Wendell, who I guess is your backup infielder or whatever. And then you also have some DH options who, you know, could play the infield and the outfield if you have them here. So that's kind of an extra there in the starting lineup. I think that's kind of how they have to look at it because I just I don't want two D I don't want two DHs on uh my uh on my on my roster at the same time. And even though Vientos can play a position, he doesn't play it well enough for me mm-hmm. to establish, yeah, he's going to be my backup third baseman. He is going to be my first baseman if Pete Alonso needs a day off and DH like I you can't be doing that. Like it just it just can't like especially if you're going to harbor a six man rotation what they need to do to keep everybody healthy with the rotation they have right now and also with the bullpen and everything. They can't do it really do a five man bench. They can't really afford to do that unless they want a shorthanded bullpen. A four man bench right now is all they can muster, but they need versatility in that bench to provide some value. It can't just be two DHs on the roster. It just can't happen. A lot of people in the chat agree with that's my sport, saying that Choi could Mm. be a good DH choice. Uh, Definitely could be, especially from that left-handed side there. So uh, if he continues to hit, he's been hitting well so far at the start of this spring training. We'll see where, you know, he ends up, especially if a guy like DJ Stewart does not, you know, show up at spring training. We'll see what happens with a a G-Man Choi or even a a Luke Voigt. As we move on with the show, I want to talk about the prospects. Uh, what has stood out to you? We had Luis Angel Acuna so far. In, in, we got to see him play. We're getting to see Drew Gilbert, who had a big hit uh, a couple of games ago on an 0-2 mm. count with the bases loaded. That's that, that stuff you like to see right there. So uh, he he got some playing time. Uh, Jet Williams has also been in here. We talked about Kevin Parada, who doesn't look comfortable at all. And, and the standout mm. to me so far has been a guy who struggled all of last season, who who was you know highly touted for a while, and that's Alex Ramirez. Uh, I don't know if he was in the lineup tonight, but as of you know when I put together my rundown, he had you know four hits and eight at bats, looking to kind of turn the corner after a rough 2023 season happy to see him get off to this start that you know he desperately needs uh what have you liked and disliked from the play so far of the prospects who are, are getting this opportunity we're getting an opportunity to see them all the ones that have been talked about all the ones that were traded during the except for ryan clifford who we haven't seen yet mm. but you know we're getting to see the prospects that we've been hearing about you know what are your thoughts on what you've seen from them so far yeah i mean are we counting Beatty or vientos because how much time you got on them you know it's like I, yeah I, I guess we're not counting them as prospects as of right now they're kind of like major leaguers fringe but I mean overall I think that we've seen 
tools on display with all of these prospects so far. Alex Ramirez has been the most impressive, obviously, something that really was uh, a big bugaboo for him a long time was hitting velocity and pitch recognition, and so far he has looked pretty good, and uh, it's been pretty impressive to see kind of him, you know, being being in that spotlight so far because, like, he kind of just, like, went under the radar, you know, with with spring training these last two years where he got a few at-bats, maybe you get, like, a a hit or, or two or whatever, but nothing crazy. Um... I guess we're we're all waiting for what's up, Yuki. Um, uh, I guess we're all waiting for um, you know, my 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 stance on Jet Williams. It, it really hasn't changed. Um, you know, <laughs> no. I think, uh, it really hasn't changed. I think that um, he's kind of just like what I'm really ex- like. I really have just been expecting. I mean, it's just like you know, the, getting the, the infield hits. The, you know, you're not really going to see much power. You're going to see a lot of discipline. He's had the discipline on display, of course. Um, and, and listen, I, I don't, I, again, I don't hate Jet Williams. I think that I over exaggerate it a lot. Um, but I think that, you know, then there's the crowd that thinks like he's the next um, Altuve, the next superstar of this game. And, you know, that that's a little that's a little too much as you know, that 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 I think that it's really hard to live up to that type of standard. But I, I don't know. I just it's whatever. Like you, you've had the tools on display again that can help you win. Same thing goes for uh, uh, Luis Angel Acuna and stuff like that. Again, there is a place for this type of play style that Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna have where athleticism has kind of become a little more part of the game. It's 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 it has an uptick now. The bigger bases, the um, the pitch clock and things like that, the the shift band, things like that. Athleticism does have a position here. And I think that you do have it, but again, there there's some things that we have really they they do need to limit uh, a little bit of it. They can't have a Jet and a Cunha and all these guys on the roster at the same time. Like overall, I don't think that Jet and Acuna can have a future on this team at the same time. Like I just don't see that as a possibility. Even though maybe you move into the outfield, maybe you move into the, this, or maybe to the move into that. But both of them five eight, five eight outfielders are not really very common. Again, listen, I understand with with this and that, but you know, Drew Gilbert's a different story. I think that he's the real short king shall we say for those of you who think of that but um i think that all of them have shown what i've expected so far um and uh i'm, I'm expecting a big year from alex ramirez i think that you know st- uh, stern's putting in a lot of trust to him uh has been i think maybe a little bit of a confidence boost for him um you know 21 years old still young tons of upside i'm a big believer in alex ramirez i like him a lot uh i like the, the ceiling of him um and yeah, I think, you know, Kevin Parada, that bat is, uh, it looks like a concern. It does look like a concern. Um, you know, they talked about him having such a quick bat. I'm not seeing him uh, catch up to anything. Looks very vulnerable against breaking balls. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm not seeing it. I think the defense has had an improvement overall from what the little that we've seen from him. Um, I don't know who else of any other prospects besides Gilbert Acuna, Jet Parada. We will be seeing this weekend. Oh yeah, Mike Vassell. Yeah, Christian mm. Scott will be on the mound. I think it's Saturday. 
they will be pitching. Yes. Don't quote me on that, but it's at and some also point Manaya, I think, in that same day as well, Manaya will be on the mound as well. So there's a lot of pitching performances to look out for this week. I'd say um, it's it's looked um, it's looked good. I think that overall uh, the value that they can provide some of these prospects it has been on full display so far in terms of with jet the plate discipline the speed uh acuna you've seen some of the the ba- the the base running as well with him um you know that that i don't i don't know about the bat with him still it's just kind of it's hit or miss with me i don't know there's just some inconsistency that i see down the line with him parada we've seen some of the defense pick up a little bit i think that all of them look um at what they should be in the current stage uh, of what we were expecting and it's nothing nothing has really been like a huge this guy like last year when Mauricio was just hitting complete tanks and tanks in spring training um nothing compared to that so far but it's still early maybe we get a hot stretch from somebody um but I've I've liked what I've seen so far of the value that they can contribute um and and they've put that on full display so far in the uh, early stages of spring training which has been impressive it's so interesting to see how the dynamic of almost the entire you know offense and the entire lineup defensively has changed with Mauricio being out for the season. Because mm. now yeah. there's more of an emph- emphasis on Brett Beatty to do well, because there was no lock that Brett Beatty was going to be the third baseman. It, it, a lot of the thought going in was, mm. is Ronnie Mauricio going to win this job at third base? No one thought it would be up to, hi- to him, up to Vientos, uh, up to Beatty. And now you have to have McNeil move back to second. Who knows? Some people are talking about him even playing third, which I don't want to see. Um, I don't like him at third. I think second base he's he's good at, he, and he's good in the outfield, but I, I don't want to see him at third. Um, and the guy that I think that's going to come up, you mentioned him, Drew Gilbert. I think that's going to be the first guy that we see. And when he comes up, you know, maybe it, it's due to an injury or something. Maybe it's because, you know, Marte, it, it, you know, is not a hundred percent as you know he claims to be, or maybe Bader goes down, or you know I I don't want to see him go down at all. I love I love Nimmo, you know, but Nimmo has not been the the most consistent when it comes to being healthy over the last two years. Mm-hmm. He has been, but you never know that that could change. But I think Drew Gilbert is definitely the guy that will get that first crack, and I don't I don't want him being thrusted into this. Like, you know, Beatty and Vientos were in 2002 when they were uh, 2022, when they were expected to be, you know, the uh, the, the, the the help or, or the saviors of the offense, you know, when, when all the injuries went down. I think the way that Francisco Alvarez came up in 2022 as well was not the proper way to bring him up. But in 2023, he was able to grow into being coming the catcher. And, and eventually he became, you know, one of the top catchers in the major league offensively for a couple of months. He was the top catcher uh, in, in the major leagues. And, you know, I, I would like that kind of more projection uh, for a Drew Gilbert coming up when, when time comes. I'm talking about Francisco Alvarez before we wrap up this show. Uh, he looks like he's ready to become the, you know, the true leader of this team at, at some point in the next 
couple of years. I, I know it's only the second season, but the way he's handled the pitching staff, the strides he's made on offense, plus is just earnest to learn the English language. As you've seen him do, you know, interviews, he sits with Steve Gelbs. He did the, the other interview with Gary Cohen the other day. How impressed are you with how far Alvy has come? I mean, it just really is, it's a breath of fresh air, really, just like just seeing a young player come up here as compared to just, man, some of these prospects that we've come up where, you know, they're supposed to be good, they're supposed to be this, they're supposed to be that, but it's just like, this kid just wants to be better at everything that he was the previous day. Like, it just, yeah. there is so much, like, confidence that he knows that he can do it. I mean, it's just, this kid is a, I mean, they, they talked about how much of a hard worker he is full display. I mean, you are seeing how hard of a worker he is to be that at only 22 years old as, you know, undisciplined as some of these young players can be. It, it's really been a just a, a breath of fresh air to see a young player like this uh, just look like he just fits in. He fits into the mi major leagues all along. It just like and that's hard to do as a catcher. It's a very rare uh, thing to do because it's a hard position to develop. And for him to do that at this level at this age it's just really really impressive um and i think that you know the fact that he's so young he is just only going to get better and he's only shown signs that he's gonna get better i'm not really seeing much of him slowing down i mean i just think that he is gonna be a big part of this team for years and years to come carson thank you so much for joining the podcast this week uh let everyone know what you're working on um definitely mentioned the 30 projections in 30 days because I have been keeping up with those. I was working out earlier today, watching the Jose Quintana one that you dropped mm -hmm. uh, earlier. So um, that was a very good content that you have been putting together. So let everyone know what you're working on with that, what else you're working on, and how people can interact with you. Yeah, I mean, I for in general, I mean, I do a show called Mets Weekly uh, with my two co-hosts, uh, Andrew and Frank. Uh, every single week, we kind of just go on uh, rants about what's going on with the Mets uh, and in segment base. You know, we we talk about it from a brutal, honest perspective. So I try to be as constructive as I can. Sometimes we go off the rails. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes there's arguments. Sometimes there isn't. Um, and, you know, it just it's a lot of fun to just basically full on rant uh, until your throat is sore about a team that just drives you nuts. Um, but, yeah, also we've been doing the third. 30 projections in 30 days, like you said, leading all the way up to opening day. There's going to be a video on our YouTube channel discussing a player. Uh, today was Jose Quintana. We've done Sean Reed fully so far. Uh, Joey Wendell had a video. I mean, all of them are pre-recorded as of right now. I just, uh, every single day, I'm uh, popping one out. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. I, I kind of give my own sp uh, spin on it compared to other projection systems, uh, such as, you know, Steamer and, and Fangraphs and all those. Um, from what I see from like the, the, the perspective of advanced data and, and stuff like that. So that, that's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time is when our uh, podcast premieres every single week. Um, and then we have some other stuff. 
in the works, but nothing too crazy uh, as compared to right now. So um, I'm excited for the baseball season. That's pretty much it. And uh, we're just going to be pumping out content every single day throughout spring training and uh, the podcast every week. Carson, uh, I'm very excited to, you know, have you on again at some point during the season. I'm sure we'll link up. I'm definitely going to reach out to Frank and Andrew and have them on the show as well. That's going to wrap up Subway to Shea here. You can follow on X, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok at Subway to Shea. You can listen and subscribe to the Subway to Shea podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Watch and subscribe on YouTube. If you enjoyed this episode and enjoy Subway to Shea in general, leave a review. Give me five stars. And like what Maureen mentioned earlier, hit that like button. I really appreciate that. With that said, thank you for tuning in and helping my podcast grow. Uh, It is a pleasure sharing this content with you every week. And uh, you continue to be a major part of the success of the Subway to Shea brand, and I appreciate all of you for that. So for Anthony Rivera, Carson from Mets Weekly, this has been the Subway to Shea podcast. And always remember, never forget, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.